what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Greetings, Dr. Thompson. Greetings, Dr. Cavanaugh. That seemed like it was like just personalized. You. 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 I'm talking to you. Just just, just, the, just the one. The one that we're here for. Just That's you. That's right. Just you. Yeah, this sounds like we're getting into some like deep meditative podcast, <laughs> like for, you know, <laughs> good health and mental wellness. And Who, who, who did that um, on um, Saturday Night Live? It was like, Deep thoughts with you know, Jack Handy. D- Jack yes. Handy. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was deep thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're, hopefully the thoughts are semi deep. Maybe not that deep today. Yes. Well, <laughs> shallow to mid length thoughts today from Kelvin and Tom. That's on right. Topcast. That's right. I don't think we're going anywhere up to the maybe even neck depth. Maybe we'll keep it chest and below. Yeah, that sounds good. You can extricate yourself if you want to. <laughs> to <your laughs> That's, listener. Right. That's right. I'll, I'll keep it in, in so that I can wear my floaty. <laughs> sure. Okay. Now my head went to old Tarzan movies where inexplicably there was quicksand every five feet, let alone, you know, just the horrible racial stereotypes and the poor production and everything else. But there's quicksand every five feet. I I saw some comedian, we're really getting deep into the banter now, but some comedian, I think, talked about this. Like when I was growing up, I thought by the time I got to be an adult, quicksand was going to be a major risk for (laughs) me. It's like every TV show, every hero was always, and there always was a vine nearby you had to throw in and get, yeah. I actually thought quicksand was a lot more common than They memorialized the the death of the the character because the hat's floating on top of the quicksand. Right, right, (laughs) yeah. And then they come up to them behind you like, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're you're not dead, darn it. Yeah, have you ever encountered quicksand in, in real life? No, have you? Me either. So, dear listener, if you have actually encountered quicksand, we want to know. Please contact know us at our at our Topcast email address and, right. and tell us tell us just a brief story about about your quicksand experience, or even possibly slow sand, or or just medium speed sand, as the yeah, case may be. That's right. We're not going to discriminate against Topcast sands at ucf.edu. Well, how do we transition from that? Going? I'm waiting to see what you do. <laughs> Well, what coffee goes with the rescuing of, of your friend from, from, uh, from quicksand? Pull him out and say, whew, thanks. Hey, I could really go for a cup of joe. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe, possibly. Uh, you tell me, today's coffee, Tom, comes from Portland, Oregon. At least that's where it was roasted. Specifically from McMenamin's Coffee Roasters. McMenamin's has an array of cafes and other 
food and beverage and, believe it or not, lodging establishments across the American Pacific Northwest. Their various coffees have very interesting custom artwork and apparently an emphasis on quirky characters and artworks, a bit of a trademark across the entire company. You know, I'm kind of down with that. You can kind of tell I'm into the quirky. This specific coffee is a single origin Kenya. So there's your connection to your, you know, old uh, inaccurate Tarzan movies. They were supposed to be taking place in Africa. Uh, Kenya from McMiniman's Roasters Reserve. And the artwork, you might like this, Tom. The artwork for the Roasters Reserve features a cat apparently using the coffee roasting machine. So maybe this was cat roasted. I, I, don't, I don't really know. Hey, who knows? Could be. But you like cats. I do. I have two. I do too. Perhaps today's coffee continues a theme established last episode in which we spoke of a coffee growing region with a reputation as being one of the best in the world because Kenyan coffees are quite notable for their high quality. So how's the coffee? And could you find in the jungle that was that little description (laughs) a connection to today's topic? Uh, I do like the coffee. Uh, it's good. I'm sipping it as we speak. Um, and I, I, so I certainly see a certain connection um, <laughs> because we're doing an interview today. Yes. And I happen, just by coincidence, to have listened to this interview. So I know who we're <laughs> talking to. Yeah, unlikely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little do you know, Kevin. Um, uh, I, I uh, listened to it and, uh, in fact... McMinimums is mentioned in uh, the interview. so possi- Possibly our first dual coffee connection. Yes, it's a little meta for us. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, the, the coffee, actually, I presume, I mean, it was referenced by our, our podcast guest today. That's right. So uh-huh. that's, that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- she also is from <laughs> Pacific Northwest, Oregon in, right. in particular. That's right. Um, and, and you you hit the the quality of the Kenyan coffee mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm, hard, mm-hmm. and um, and we are going to talk a little bit about the quality of online courses. So how am I doing? I, you're right there. All right. I'm I'm with you. A plus, Tom. Good job. Cool. So maybe I should uh, end the suspense and uh, tell our listeners who you spoke to. Yeah. So not that long ago. Kelvin, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. interviewed our friend Shannon Riggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is was inter- it's not one of our old in the can mm-hmm. interviews. This was mm-hmm. fairly recent during mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen mm-hmm. pandemic. And so for those right. of you who don't know Shannon, you should. Mm-hmm. But she is uh, the executive director of academic programs and learning innovation for Oregon State University's eCampus, mm-hmm. and uh, very notably. Shannon wrote the 2019 book, Thrive Online, a new approach to building expertise and confidence as an online educator. And it's one that you have mentioned more than once before. I'm a fan. Uh, I like it a lot. I've, I've said in some circumstances, uh, some context, that this is the book I really wish that I had written. You know, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it represents a, a very similar perspective. If I was you know, more skilled and more able to get things done, uh, I'd like to think I could have written something as, as good as that, but it, it, it lays out a very similar um, thought process. So I'm, I'm real proud to promote it everywhere I go. Cool. So uh, that's actually a, a really great setup. Anything else you want to add? No, let's listen to the interview and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit when we're done. 
Okay, so through the magic of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Shannon Riggs. Hey, Shannon, so good to have you with us on TopCast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a, a longtime listener, first-time caller. <laughs> it never gets old. I love it. I, I hear that from, from folks now and again, and I, I, I love that. Well, as you know, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a longtime uh, fan of uh, your book, Thrive Online, and of your work at, at, uh, at Oregon State. And uh, so I'm really happy to have you directly on the, the, the podcast and get to talk to you a little bit about, about your book, your work, and, uh, and how, how all of that kind of applies toward kind of this uh, tweaked trajectory of the, of the future of, of online education. Do you mind if I just... Um, ask you first. Uh, you said, because I don't normally do this with, uh, with interviews, but I'm drinking water. It's the afternoon as we're recording this. But I noticed you were <laughs> sipping a coffee mug. Uh, so I got to do a little bit of a coffee connection with you. So w- tell me the story of this mug and the beverage that you're drinking here. Yeah, this is, um, it's McMinniman's Coffee Roasters Mug. And McMinniman's is a Northwest uh, chain. Um, it is uh, pubs and restaurants and hotels. They're super fun. They have um, really interesting uh, architectural design. They're usually built in old old buildings and old structures and kind of remodeled. There's several that are in old elementary schools that have been refashioned into, into these kind of hotels and eateries. Um, yeah, but I have a, a McMinniman's passport and I'm on my way to become a cosmic tripster. So once you a what now? You're going to a, become a what? A cosmic tripster. And a cosmic that mean, tripster. That means I've taken my passport to all of their locations and gotten the stamps for all the various activities and visiting all the places. And you know, it's important to have goals in life, and that's one of mine. I want to be a cosmic tripster now too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's possible, but I, I, I'm going to I'm going to set myself a, a new a new goal. But thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. We'll have to throw we'll have to look up uh, and and throw in the show notes a little bit about um, about that as well. Oh, All right. Fun. So back to the regularly scheduled topic. So uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of uh, of your Thrive Online uh, book, but. And some of our listeners have probably heard me uh, promote the, the book over, over some time. But do you mind if I just ask you, what, what led you to writing this thing? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it was mostly that I was finding myself in a conversation that was kind of boring and not helpful, but over and over again. And the conversation was, can we really do online teaching well in my class, my discipline, this subject area? And I would say, yes you really can. And sometimes they would say, no, I don't think you can. And sometimes it was, well, yeah, but I have this colleague who did. And it was just, those conversations were really repetitive and not very interesting and so, or, or helpful. And so I was looking for a way to, to shift that. And, and I think, you know, by shifting that question of, can I do this well to how do you do this well? Mm-hmm, All mm-hmm. of a sudden, there's a lot more to talk about and the conversation becomes more helpful, more creative, uh, and just more interesting and more more helpful overall. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and again, for those uh, who haven't read the book yet, uh, you should, you should, you should buy it. You should, uh, you should read it. You should uh, discuss it with colleagues. Um, Shannon, you know that you know we're doing that at UCF. We're having discussions about your book, and I, I think it, it does. It, it it heightens the 
the conversation. It raises the bar a little bit when you use phrases like, well, when designed well, or mm -hmm. you know, you're not compar comparing um, uh, when not designed well of one modality with when really designed well with another modality and then thinking that you're talking about the same thing. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. That kind of intentionality, it raises the conversation a little bit. Um, so I love it. I love the overall uh, thrust, find it really engaging. Can I ask, though, this book has like a, if I remember right, a, a publication date of like 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it maybe really hit shelves maybe in 2019, but it's certainly early 2020. And then in 2020, we had a global pandemic. Uh, some, some people listening to this historically might be surprised to hear that. Yeah, we had a global pandemic in the year mm -hmm. 2020. And uh, it, we, it resulted in a lot of emergency ad hoc remote instruction. Mm -hmm. So... What, what do you think about um, this, this whole goal of yours about kind of raising the, the, the bar on um, considerations of, of quality and online teaching and learning alongside this mass exodus um, to remote and online tools usage because of the pandemic? What do you, how, does, how does that affect our world? Yeah, I, I think it's really important that we not um, equate the emergency remote teaching that's been happening this year with um, what I'm now calling traditional online education, which is really yeah. fun to get to use that phrase. Um, but they're, they're really not the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we not conflate, the, conflate those things and not assess online education overall by, by remote standards and, and vice versa. I don't think we should be assessing the, the amazing work that's being done in these remote courses with faculty who have, you know, just reinvented the way that they do things and students reinventing the way that they're learning and figuring that out in short order during a pandemic when everyone is under so much stress. So I, I, um, I don't want to disparage the work that's being done in, in these remote environments because I think it's pretty remarkable what we've been able to do to keep, you know, keep education going through, through this year. Uh, but they really are, they really are different, different things. I think many of the, um, many of the lessons that we've learned from the tra traditional online education can certainly inform remote instruction uh, and help, uh, help faculty uh, just make that a better, better learning experience overall. So I think that's, to me, that's what's really interesting about this, this pandemic. Uh, and, and the impacts on uh, on online education. It feels like a real tipping point to me where, mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone's kind of been thrust into online education, like it or not, ready or not. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see how, how online education comes out of this. You know, will yeah. we, will more faculty feel like, oh, wow, they've had some good experiences and I really can connect with students and engage with students in this online environment. Maybe this is worth exploring more than I had uh, thought of before. Uh, but I also think we need to be careful of um, letting any kind of negative experience that, you know, if, if a remote course didn't go well for a faculty, that we need to be careful about how we talk about that so that they're not thinking like the fault is in the the medium itself because mm -hmm. it, it really always comes back to design regardless of how you're teaching or what environment you're teaching in it's are you designed well for that environment and um, you know and for how you're going to interact with your students 
Yeah, no, I, I think that all makes some sense to me. I think the the book as written seems to my eyes to generally assume, as you said, a, a traditional or classic asynchronous online design approach, but in reading and rereading and having conversations during um, still our pandemic response era and thinking about coming out of that pandemic response, it seems to me, as I have conversations with, with our faculty clients at UCF, that many, if not most, if not all, of the lessons in your book are also applicable to things other than uh, traditional uh, classic asynchronous online design like like blended course design, which I think you know there will be a, a hunger for uh, coming out mm-hmm. of the pandemic and and we'll probably have some kind of vestigi- some sort of lingering uh, synchronous online teaching that mm-hmm. I, I think there's still some some applicability uh, to that as well from the lessons learned in your book. Do you agree with that? And then what examples of that come to your mind as you think about your book and you think about those contexts? Yeah, uh, I do agree with that. And I think um, the book is definitely written for um, with that asynchronous online format in mind. But I think there's even a note in the in the forward of the introduction about how there are definitely lessons learned or lessons that can be carried forward into other other formats. Um, and I, I think if we keep coming back to that question of, of design and those principles, um, I think that's really the, it applies in every every format. One of the things that I found so interesting, and I've tracked this on Twitter and just through other conversations through higher ed this year, is this great debate over whether the web, web camera should be required to be turned on mm-hmm. for students or should it should students' uh, privacy be taken into consideration, or they're not comfortable having the camera on, mm-hmm. and they can they can turn it off? And the way I hear it talked about so often is is like whether the like whether the camera is on or off is going to determine the engagement, and that's right. really not a useful way <laughs> to get to engagement. Like what I always want to want to interject into those conversations and have in some cases and say, well, what are you asking the students to do? How are you engaging uh-huh. them if they're engaged? <laughs> They will probably turn their cameras on, but it's it's just it's ultimately a design question, and I think this um, a lot of this book comes from that perspective. Uh, so I think that if you are taking that perspective and you're thinking about those interactions between the faculty and the students, the students and each other, the students and the content, and you're thinking about how you want them to be engaged with all of those um, all of those various components, then. If you follow that trail, regardless of which uh, modality or synchronous, asynchronous you're teaching in, you'll be able to come to a, a good um, a good outcome. Yeah, I think I think that's excellent. I think it's a very good point. Um, Tom and I've talked before about that, and you know, and, and from my K twelve days, you know, one of the things I learned there is, uh, you know, telling isn't teaching, and listening isn't learning, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and. And in the higher ed context, it's like walking into the classroom isn't isn't learning either, right? Yeah. Nor is turning on the webcam. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's not learning and it's not engagement. And, and, and people sometimes talk about the Zoom smile. Yes. Yep. There, there definitely is that. Yeah. <laughs> you just sort of sit there and <laughs> checked out, yep. you know. 
and 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 you sitting with your webcam off might be much more intellectually and um, emotionally engaged with what's going on. It for just because you have your, your webcam off. But I love the idea of designing deliberate, intentional interactions and um, activities. Um, mm-hmm. If you had, if if you had to, had to. If you were, I guess mm-hmm. maybe not had to, but if you were writing this book now, if if you were to like rewind maybe two three years, mm-hmm. you know, in the publication cycle, like if you were at this point and you're you're you know you're you're, you're pretty far along, but you're you're writing out the book, you're finishing the manuscript, but it's during this pandemic era, and you're thinking about blended, you know, being a thing coming out of um, the pandemic and you're thinking about synchronous online. What what do you think you would have added to the book that isn't just sort of generically applicable? Anything specific about blended or synchronous that you would address? Yeah. Would you address the webcam thing? Would it be something else? What would you what would you say? I definitely would address the webcam thing. Um, you know, I had an interesting conversation that kind of uh, gets to, I think, the point that you're you're kind of probing around with a, a faculty member the other day, and it was someone who um, he was new to online teaching through this remote period, um, and he had read Thrive Online, and he was um, saying that he he still feels unprepared, like he hasn't done all of the the course design and the development. Um, you know, just because he's been so busy just retrofitting his courses to, to be delivered remotely. And he says, you know, heading into this fall term where I may be still doing some online teaching or some remote teaching or even a high flex kind of teaching, mm-hmm. I I don't, I still don't, I feel like I need more time to do all of the design recommendations that, that you have here. And um, what I what I shared with him was that you know, of course, I'm I'm in favor of really rigorous design process and standards, and that's the ideal. Uh, that's the ideal. But if if I were in a re, in a re, an emergency kind of situation, um, I would go for like a simplified kind of design. Just go with a, a mm-hmm. pretty straightforward and simple design, and really focus instead on the engagement piece. And if you're mm-hmm. if you're focusing on that learner engagement and interacting with your students and making sure that they are interacting with each other in some way and kind of providing some structure for that and that your students are doing something with your course content other than just watching a video or reading about it, that they're actually getting their hands on and actually doing something with it, um, that that is going to lead to a successful learning outcome, even though the design may not be 100% where where we would like it to be if we had all the time in the world and all the resources. Um, that I think if we prioritize that engagement, regardless of how we're teaching and where or when, <laughs> that that's really the, the path forward. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then um, just as, as we start to wrap up a little bit, you know, I think one of the things, you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot um, as we've interacted and I think one of the things really compelling about your book is not just the um, the ideas in it. Uh, I really think there's something. This is one of those rare times where the title is particularly evocative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it there really does. You know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover or mm-hmm. by its title, but you know, people do. And and the thrive online thing, I've I feel this way, and I've talked to others who do. It just it just captures the imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what. What led to that, and and what what was the sort of the mental picture in your mind when you think of of like faculty and 
uh, and students and even behind the scenes instructional designers and technologists and others setting up a thriving online thing. What's the, what's the mental picture that, that's in your mind? What's that look like to you? Well, uh, for the title, I really have to give credit to uh, the series editor, Katie Linder, who is just a remarkable um, whirlwind of just wisdom and energy and is just an amazing person to know. Um, but she and I had had some conversations about just the the ability to thrive in, in the online um, in online teaching. And we both have a, a very deep passion for faculty development uh, and just uh, collaborations with faculty and, and partnering with them. Um, and as we were talking about it, you know, we, we, we both also had the experience of teaching in a classroom and we know mm-hmm. that there's a lot of joy that, that happens there for faculty. And um, there's an energy and being there with your students that's really exciting. And when designed well uh, mm-hmm. and facilitated well, your online classes, you can have those same kinds of really mm. energizing, really inspiring, life-transforming uh, kinds of interactions with your students. Uh, but but it really does require good design and good facilitation and that, that engagement. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we just kind of have this dream of helping more faculty have that, that joy in their teaching. And, and, you know, it, I don't know, it, it sounds a little maybe a little silly or a little not not so important because, you know, the student learning outcomes and student success is always important. But I really believe that faculty enjoyment and faculty success are also really important because if yeah. if faculty are energized and inspired and they're really feeling connected with students and, and we can help them get to a place with some training on pedagogical approaches or course design or online teaching techniques, um, that's good for students in the end. If the faculty are engaged and they're, um, you know, they have that kind of energy, students are going to to pick up on that, and and then it'll, you know, have that interplay that that faculty experience. Um, we know we know what that looks like and feels like in an on in an on campus setting, uh, and some of us, and I would say more of us, over time are are learning what that feels like in an online setting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's really where this book came from is I really wanted more faculty to have that, uh, that sense of thriving, uh, in their, mm-hmm. in their work. Well, that's excellent. I, and I'm with you, uh, and Katie on that, um, on that dream, you know, of, uh, of faculty joy, dare I say flow, dare I say, you know, you know, that, that whole thing. And, and I think your book is, is a wonderful contribution to the likelihood of more faculty and more students having that. So thanks for sharing a little bit of, about the book and, and, for, and for being with us today, Shannon. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Kelvin, that was your interview with Shannon Riggs. It was, it was she's awesome, right? She's great. Yeah, I've actually uh, been on several panels with Shannon, spoken to her a number of times. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Mm-hmm. You know, she did say a couple of things that really that really struck me. Um, part of your conversation with her, where you you were you were touching on um, the, the comparison of the very best mm-hmm. experience of one modality mm-hmm. against the maybe not greatest experience of another modality and mm-hmm. it's it's a kind of a disingenuous comparison mm-hmm. and as and as Shannon was saying well designed mm-hmm. 
intentionally designed mm -hmm. applies to all modalities. Mm -hmm. And you should be comparing Mm -hmm. Apples to apples, and I, I think she's right. she's so right. How many times yeah. have we heard people say, "Well, online learning is not as good as this," right. you know, face-to-face -face seminar I took with, you know, Professor So and So, the Nobel laureate, and like, <laughs> yeah, well, wh what's going to compete with that? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that, and yet you're absolutely right, Tom. Uh, people, people, whoever they are, people do that all the time. You know, all the time, um, you know, the bad of one against the good of another and then and use that to kind of reinforce an existing bias one way or the other, perhaps, kind that of they a have. a straw man yeah, argument. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and it comes up in our, in our world all, all the time. But all I, that, that time. I thought was a really kind of interesting thing to shine a light on um, yeah. in your conversation. I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree, and I, I think that is a theme. The book's nice, by the way, um, uh, four parts. Um, I think I commented on it in the interview. Um, we have a book discussion this semester that's wrapping up in a, another week or two, and Shannon's going to be kind and, and come kind of back clean up in a Q&A um, author discussion with the, the faculty. But it, it works really nicely. Just We just do one part at a time, and each part's, uh, you know, several chapters, you know, kind of, Several, it's lengthier. It's not just a like a little chapter, and uh, there's a big theme for the. It, it just makes really it makes for a good dividing lines to be able to have a discussion and and not have it you know take forever and ever and ever. And um, I, I I like that. I appreciated her willingness to engage with the thought of if you're writing this during the pandemic or you know, or kind of post-pandemic, what are the applications? You know, do you kind of feel like this thing is is now outdated? And, and you know, the answer, of course, is no. And the, and the reason is design, right? It's right. the timeless principles. Right. Yeah, and that's what we, we continually preach, that just because something is synchronous doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean you don't have to prepare. Right. Um, I, I remember trying to convince faculty, this was years ago, pre-pandemic, when they might have wanted to do something synchronous, that it was analogous to my my years working in television. It's like, you, you can't just show up on set and, <laughs> and expect to, to just talk and have that be at all effective. So mm -hmm. you need to prep. You need to have a script. You need to have a mm -hmm. rundown. You need to know what your segments are. You need to know how you're going to engage. You know, you need to know what your transitions are. You know, all of that. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's just sort of the mechanics, let mm -hmm. alone accomplishing learning objectives and, right. and, you know, engaging students in the process. So to do it well requires intentional design to, to make it quality. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I, everybody should pause this. Go to your favorite online store, look up this book, buy it, and then come back and finish the episode. <laughs> maybe, maybe one last comment to to just really compliment something that that Shannon said in that interview mm -hmm. um, about what advice would she have, particularly for for synchronous during the pandemic, right? And um, she basically said, just keep it super simple. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it, yep. and just be kind of hyper focused on engagement, student engagement. It's good and it advice. just seems, yeah, so right to me. And yeah, I agree. You know, and and from what I hear, looking backwards now at the pandemic and and what our mm -hmm. faculty have done, I think the ones who were successful are the ones that kind yep. of just intuited that and did it. Yep. Yep. 
I, I, I agree. And to me, I mean, I'll just pull on that thread just sort of a tiny bit. See, and design includes that too. It's sure. the intentionality. I think sometimes we think design and we kind of think static. You can diagram it on a page or it's the content, it's the layout or, you know, the, the alignment between objectives to assessment through content and some kind of formal assignment structure. But it's also, it's like your TV metaphor, right? It's a, or analogy. It's, there's this, there's this, um, lived experience thing that you are planning for. Right. <laughs> there's an intentionality. Right. Whether or not you're going to have breakout groups right. is part of your design. It's right. part of your plan. That's right. You know? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it was cool. Um, mm -hmm. You want to, you wanna, since it was your interview, try and summarize in some sort of a bottom line for us? Yes, although everybody should be worried that, uh, as you know, Tom, I don't do pithy. <laughs> but I'll give it a shot. I do work at it. Uh, you know, intentionality. I'll say um, emphasizing the importance of intentional design and effective teaching as the basis for quality learning experiences is more important now than ever before in online education. And applying the ideas in Shannon's book is one way to make this happen. How's that? That's good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So nice interview. Thank you for the coffee. Thank you, Shannon, for mm -hmm. being on TopCast. So until next time, mm -hmm. for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.